Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cone of Shame Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I am here today with one of my dear friends, the original anesthesia nerd, Tasha McNerney. Tasha is a veterinary technician specialist in anesthesia. She is the founder of the uh, Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds Facebook group, which if you're not a member of, you should be a member of, and also the Veterinary Anesthesia Nerds Conference, which I hope will return when the world gets back to a new normal. She is a wonderful lecturer, a genuinely funny, funny person, and man, she knows her stuff when it comes to pain control and anesthesia. I'm talking to her today about the C-section. I want to be better at them. I want to make sure that moms don't hurt. That's a big deal for me. And so without further ado, let's get into this. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Talk to the journey. How are you? I'm good. How are things? Things are things are good. The last time I saw you, you were at my house and COVID was just starting. Yeah. Like, and like you were like, we sh- I should go home. And I was like, yeah, it's probably probably a good thing. And like we went to the grocery store because in uh, Philadelphia, the grocery stores were getting cleared out. And you were like, I wonder if they're getting cleared out here. I was like, I don't know. Let's go. And so you and I went to the grocery store together and made our last grocery store run and bought paper towels and toilet paper before <laughs> the COVID craziness hit South Carolina. Like that's it. Like essentially you were with me when the zombie apocalypse started. Like that's kind of, that's kind of the, the emotional memory that I have. Oh yeah. Like I remember being very excited going to the grocery store with you and seeing pasta on the shelves. And I remember, I don't know if you remember, but I bought three boxes of penne pasta and took them home in my carry on bag. Cause I was like, this is what it's come to. I don't know if I'll be able to get penne again. <laughs> Your priorities snapped into focus. I love it. 100%. I'm very food motivated. <laughs> speaking of speaking of food motivated, I have a case I could use your help with. I've got a two-year-old female, not spayed, English bulldog named Petunia. She is in for a C-section. Mm. And yeah. And I have always been bothered by C-sections to some degree. I want to do as good a job as possible. I want to minimize pain and discomfort in this dog as much as possible. I was hoping that you could run me through the best pain protocol that I can use in this scenario. Oh, 100%. And I love talking about this because this is something that has changed in the just 10 years that I've been doing anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So at first, what we were always taught was that we don't want to give any drugs. We just want to get that patient into surgery as quickly as possible. I remember we would even think like, oh, you just mask down the patient if you have to, just induce them with propofol, get an IV catheter in, induce them with propofol and get into surgery. And then we'll worry about pain meds later. So thankfully, (laughs) because of the evidence that we have and all these different anesthesiologists and pain management people coming together, we know that that's kind of um, outdated. We don't want to, we really don't want to approach it that way anymore. We do want to make sure that we are giving mom really great pain control. And there are a couple of different ways that we can do that before we get into surgery. So one of the ways that we can do that is that we can give mom an opioid and the opioid really depends on what you have in your practice. So if you have scheduled two opioids in your practice and you have something like hydromorphone or or fentanyl, that could be a good idea. 
you just have to remember that if you do give mom opioids, they can cross the placental barrier and you might need to be ready to give the pups a little bit of naloxone sublingually. So we always have that ready because at our practice, we do use fentanyl for mom as a pre-med. So we give mom a little bit of fentanyl IV. Um, if we cannot get near mom, if she's really stressed and just, you know, holding her for IV catheter placement or IV administration is really going to freak her out. Again, stress is the enemy. We don't want to stress mm-hmm. the patient. I mean, not only do we want to not stress her because she's a pregnant patient, but also we don't want to stress her because she's a brachycephalic patient. So that's really Mm -hmm. not going to be good for our airway control. No stress. So if she's really stressed, we're going to give her that IM injection of an opioid. So again, whether it's hydromorphone pre-medication or it's morphine pre-medication, whatever you guys have in your practice, that's fine. If you want to use something like um, buprenorphine, that's fine as well. Um, So again, whatever you guys have in your practice. The next thing that I would say, yes, sorry, Andy. Oh, sorry. No, no, I'm I'm leaning in here like that. Okay. I want to circle back to the sublingual naloxone thing real fast. Um, So are you, do you have that? like lined up like uh i gave hydromorphone i gave fentanyl cri i, I, I gave these iv i'm just going to have sublingual naloxone ready and every pup coming out gets it do you wait yeah. and see and if the pup looks obtunded then you do it walk me through that part okay so if we have given our patient fentanyl which we at our practice all of our c-section patients get fentanyl and because mm-hmm. we know that fentanyl is highly lipid soluble and it crosses that placental barrier very easily we assume that all of the pups have some sort of fentanyl on board and we will give all of our pups coming out a dose of naloxone sublingually. So our pups get transferred from the OR suite out into the area where we're going to, you know, get them all dried off. We're going to suction their airway and then we give them a dose of naloxone. It's kind of like just a rapid sequence. Every single pup that comes out, if the mom has had fentanyl, they get naloxone. Gotcha. Cool. All right. I love it. So we are going to give an opioid to our patient. And then the next really, really important step for these patients, give them a fluid bolus. You know that they're going to lose a lot of fluid during surgery. And because they're on inhaling anesthetics and we might give them propofol, we know that we're going to vasodilate them. We know also that pregnant patients just have different fluid requirements. So give them a fluid bolus to get things going before surgery. So while we're setting up our surgery suite, the patient has had a little bit of opioid. They're getting their bolus and we're getting all of our stuff ready during that time. Then when the patient comes to the induction table, this is kind of when I tell uh, our veterinary technicians or any students that are with us, like this is when things are going to go very fast, right? So we will induce our patient while we are pre-oxygenating our patient. So pre-oxygenation, very, very important. Again, not only because this is a pregnant patient, right? But also because this is a brachycephalic patient. So anytime you're having a brachycephalic patient go under anesthesia, pre-oxygenate all the time. Always, always, always. Mm-hmm. So we are going to give them either a injection of propofol to induce or alfaxalone to induce. Now, at our practice, we tend to use alfaxalone. So there were a couple of studies that showed better overall APGAR scores of puppies with alfaxalone compared to propofol. But if you don't have alfaxalone in your practice, that's fine. You can utilize propofol. Okay. We're going to give to effect, and that means that we are going to give just enough of that induction drug so that we are able to intubate our patient. Once we intubate our patient, we get them on a little bit of gas. And we get them to a stable enough plane of anesthesia where we can perform an epidural. Now, if you don't have any staff members trained in an epidural, then this is not the time that you want to practice or attempt an epidural. You know, we want to make sure that, again, this is all rapid sequence once we get our patient intubated. But at our practice, we do have technicians who are VTS level or some of our surgeons who are pretty proficient at epidurals. So they will pop an epidural in. And again, that's one of the best things that you can do as far as pain management goes for these patients. 
once we have our epidural in place, we will go into surgery and then our puppies will come out. We always have a dedicated anesthesia tech stay with mom. And that's usually me, right? Me as a VTS in anesthesia, the puppies are great, but honestly, a lot of people can can revive a puppy. I want to stay with mom and I want to make sure that mom's anesthesia goes as smoothly as possible and she's getting, again, adequate pain control. Mm-hmm. Because we use fentanyl, that's a 20 to 30 minute duration. So by the time that all of our puppies are out and our surgeon is closing, that fentanyl is kind of wearing off. So that's where we will go with something longer lasting. Sometimes we will use buprenorphine. Sometimes we use hydromorphone. A little bit different depending on the doctor, but we will then add in a longer lasting opioid for our patients. As long as they don't have any kidney abnormalities and their blood pressure has been good during surgery, our doctors do a one-time dose of, sometimes it's meloxicam and sometimes it's carprofen, but again, doctor dependent. Yep. We'll give a one-time dose of NSAID. And then we will also follow up with Noceta at closure. So Noceta is a long-lasting liposomal encapsulated bupivacaine. And once you put it along the incision site, it will last for 72 hours, which is really nice for these pregnant patients that have this big belly incision. And then they have these pups that are, you know, trying to feed and, and, you know, push on the mom's belly and it can be really uncomfortable. So when you utilize something like a long-lasting bupivacaine, again, that can just extend that analgesia out for up to 72 hours post-operatively. If you don't... Tell me a little bit more about Noceta. It's not, it's not something I, that, I've, that I've used, quite honestly. Walk, walk me through that a little bit. All right. So Noceta is a pretty cool product and they have been utilizing it in human medicine. It's called Expero on the human side. But but Noceta is a liposomal encapsulated bupivacaine. Now there is some free bupivacaine in the Noceta. So if you gave it, you know, subcutaneous or down in their injection of the Noceta, you will immediately get effects of bupivacaine. But the nice thing is because the bupivacaine molecule is kind of encapsulated in these liposomes, as these liposomes degrade over time and release more bupivacaine, that extends out the duration of action. So and there were some human studies that showed duration of action up to like 90 some hours. So you wow. can get really great long lasting pain control. Now, again, this is local anesthetic pain control. So it's not like systemic that all over, you know, like yeah. when you take an NSAID and you feel good, you know, better, it's controlling inflammation all over. This is more kind of right at the incision site. But again, it makes a huge difference. If you have a, like we had a pit bull come in a couple weeks ago, she had like 14 puppies. So to have 14 puppies kind of jumping all over her belly and vying for space to feed at those nipples, that that area is really sore, but with something like Noceta, she doesn't mind as much and we can provide better patient comfort. Also, when you use a product like Noceta, so this is straying a little bit from C-section patients, but when you use Noceta overall in patients, because you're extending out the duration of analgesia, we have found that we have significantly cut down on animals that are on heavy hitting like fentanyl CRIs or opioid CRIs postoperatively. So if we have limb amputations, if we have TPLO patients, if we have long chain mastectomies, things that normally we would have them on really high doses of opioids postoperatively, we've seen significant decrease in their pain scores and are able to get them off systemic opioids faster. That's super cool. It's a really cool product. So if you guys out there haven't looked into it yet, you know, check it out and, and look into it for your practice. Definitely. I love it. Very cool. This is super great. I feel good about everything. Uh, no C- I'm just going to come along and just, am I, uh, as, a, as sort of, as I pull tissue back together, we're coming along and sort of giving like intradermal injections. Is that, is that sort of what we're talking about? Like, like, yeah. uh, 
So that's, yeah, okay. that's a good point to make because Noceta is one of those drugs that it's not the same as bupivacaine where we'll just put it in the intradermal layer or the subcutaneous layer. Noceta, in order for it to work and give you that 72 hours of action, has to be put in your layer of closure. So as you close up your muscle belly layer, you put in your you, you, you put in some Noceta. As you close your skin layer, you're putting in some Noceta. And then when you do your final, you're putting some you know Noceta subcutaneously. So Perfect. you're doing it in layers of closure. Dude, that's awesome. That's exactly what I needed, man. I feel pretty good. Thanks a lot, Tasha. <laughs> no problem. And that's what we got for you today. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it'll maybe uh, make your C-sections at your practice go a little bit more smoothly. If you enjoyed the podcast, please, please share it with your friends. That's how people find us. And or write us an honest review wherever you get podcasts. It really does mean a lot to me. I really do appreciate it. Guys, take care. Be well. Enjoy your holidays. Remember that you matter and take care of yourself. All right? Bye.